Wow, those are powerful words, aren't they? What a gracious, merciful God we serve. <laughs> aren't you glad to be a recipient of His mercy and that He doesn't treat you according to your sins, but according to His great, great mercy? We can rejoice in that today. I'm glad you're here. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to be around the Lord's table and uh, this is good for us to remember this again and be a part of this together. We live in a world that seems to be inundated with imitation. You probably see that a lot. We experience this when we're out in the world in our day-to-day lives, whether shopping for groceries or some other product that we like to purchase. Sometimes it's really hard to determine the difference uh, between something that's fake or imitation and something that's real. So for instance, when you look at furniture, can you tell from these pictures which is fake and which is real? How about these coffee tables? Can you tell which one is fake and which one is real? Take a guess, which one is fake? One on the left, good eyes, okay? Yeah, that's a laminate, okay? The other one is actually an Amish oak table. How about this dining room, these dining room sets? A little harder on this one, right? Believe it or not, the one on the left is a laminate top. Doesn't look like it, does it? It's hard to tell sometimes when you're looking at those things. And, uh, you know, how about when we go to purchase groceries or other items? Uh, can you tell the difference between what is real and what might be imitation? For instance, ketchup. Okay? Now... I happen to like Heinz, okay, which is like the best, and I'm sure some, I just heard some yups on that one, okay, but there's like dozens of other ones that you can buy, right? And I guess it, it depends on what you're going to cook, like my wife will sometimes buy the cheaper one when she does barbecue sauce, cause then, and then it just it tastes fine, because there's so many other things in the barbecue sauce that it's fine, but maybe you have your choice, but ketchup is one of those ones. How about Dr. Pepper? Now, listen. I don't drink a lot of soda, but Dr. Pepper is probably my favorite, okay? And I'm sorry, there's no imitation that works. There's a zillion of them around, right? You've probably seen them. And uh, I really like Dr. Pepper, but there's nothing else that really meets up to the expectations in my mind. How about things like Cheez-Its? I consider myself a Cheez-It connoisseur, okay? I've had these in my life since I was a little boy, thanks to my mom, okay? And I love Cheez-Its, and now they've morphed into all different kinds, right? Cheez-Its that you can buy. I'm sorry, there's no imitation for Cheez-Its. You can try all the other ones. I've tried them. They don't work. I don't enjoy them. How about when you go to displays? Can you tell the difference between the real and the fake cherries? Pretty hard, isn't it? Take a guess. What do you think of the real ones? Left side in the basket, the little basket. That's the real ones. Aha, caught you. How about strawberries? This would be an easier one. Which one, left or right, is real? Left, good for you. All right, you're able to tell that one. How about the next one, real or fake crab? I know the difference, okay, because I love seafood, and some of you do too. There is a difference. Now, I assure you that that crab on, the, on your right is not a, a plastic one. It's real, okay? So 
Uh, how about imitation vanilla or real vanilla? I think there's a difference. Now, I, I, I enjoy baking, and I've done some of that over the years, especially when my kids were growing up. They always wanted me to make certain things for breakfast. And there is a difference. There really is between imitation and real. And then finally, here's one that we all can relate to, butter. Right? You better, you butter believe it. You know, all, all the different ones that you can say, what's not butter? Okay, some of them actually taste pretty good. We've tried them. But uh, there's nothing like butter, is there? Right? So, fake and imitation things that we see all the time. And the list can go on and on and on, right? And the thing is... It's really challenging sometimes to try to determine the difference between items. Sometimes we can do that with our taste. At times, though, we'll go to the imitation, maybe because it's cheaper or more cost-effective for us, and we learn the hard way, ultimately, that we're really dissatisfied with taste of the item or with the furniture that we buy. And we can experience some of these same things in other areas of our lives. In fact, if we're not careful, we can just become accustomed uh, to hypocrisy and deception, and even become jaded and, and cynical uh, uh, in our lives with these kinds of things. And this certainly enters into our life in the area of the media of late, and especially news. Uh, we've come to the point where we're really not sure what to believe anymore, right? Uh, so is there anything that is real anymore, is the question. Is there anything that we can believe how about the story of Jesus and his life and death, burial and resurrection, what we're going to remember this morning? Did it really happen? Or as some would have us believe today, that the Jesus that lived and walked on the earth was radically different from the one presented in the Bible. You've experienced it, right, folks? It's out in our world, all around us. Uh, you've experienced this in the workplace, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe with other individuals that you come in, that you walk into their lives in your life, or they come into your life. There's a lot of confusion. People feel duped. So, how do we engage a world that seems so confused and perhaps even duped at times? Where do we go to find what is real? And how do we help those around us to determine the difference between the real and the fake or imitation? Well, I can say with confidence and assurity that at Heritage Baptist Church, we have a place that we go to to find out those answers, and it's called the Bible. We hold the scriptures high here at our church, and I know all of you would agree with that. In fact, we have a document that states something about that. It's our constitution, our statement of faith. And early on in our statement of faith, we read these words about the scriptures. We believe that all the words of the 66 books of the Bible, as originally written, are the inspired word of God entirely without error. And we have some accompanying verses there that help form that thought. The next one, the Bible is the final authority for judging what we believe and how we should live. Really important, right? Mitch mentioned that to our young people this morning, the importance of the Word of God in their lives. And then finally, we believe the Bible supports using a grammatical historical method of interpretation in light of the progress of revelation. Very important to us that we look at the Bible that way. 
So as a community of Christ followers, we believe this about the scriptures. And so that's the place that we go to determine what is real and to help others do the same thing. And one important aspect about understanding what is real, I know that this resonates with you, is that when we understand and know what's real, it helps us to identify the imitation and the fake. Very important part of our lives as we walk with the Lord. As we read through the New Testament, we begin with the Gospels, very familiar to us, and the accounts of the birth of Jesus and his life and ultimately his death on the cross, his burial, and then his resurrection. Now, I want to read with you a particular passage that speaks very clearly to this. We find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 8. And I'd like for us to read that together this morning. The words will be right here for you. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Let's read it together. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Church, that is the gospel. That is the gospel message, and we declare and believe those words this morning. But I also want to leave us with another fact to consider as we enter into this time together, because we believe these things. We need to remember that there were others that have gone before us who indicate that they also believed what they heard and saw. We see Jesus' immediate disciples, the apostles, believed in him so much that they were willing to die horrible deaths for their faith instead of renouncing their faith. These men who had been with Jesus touched him, talked with him, listened to him as he taught them. They believed him and all of them with the same resounding voice that we read about in the scriptures tell us that Jesus was the real thing. He is what he claimed to be, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 also of some of the great cloud of witnesses uh, that testify to these truths. So as we participate this morning in the Lord's Supper, we remember and affirm once again our belief based on the truth of the Word of God. Not only did Jesus come, lived a perfect life here for us as a great example, the best example. Ultimately died for us, but that he rose again and he lives. He still lives. And because of him, 
we can live forever. And folks, that's a promise that is real. No imitation. So as we continue to just prepare our hearts, I want us to take a few moments just to go before the Lord and search our own hearts, uh, make sure that we're right with the Lord and with, uh, with others around us. And we have two elements that help us with that, that are re- representative of the body and blood of our Savior Jesus. And we often attach this word that we use, the word symbol, to these elements that we give out. But this morning, I would like for us to go a bit deeper than just seeing them as mere symbols, because the reality in the New Testament presents the significance of the Lord's Supper in much more graphic language. Matthew in his gospel describes this picture in these words. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we're aware that there are some systems of belief out there that have taken these words literally, believing that the elements of the Lord's Supper actually become the body and blood of Christ. At heritage, we do not interpret the word that way. We realize that these are symbols, nor do we even believe that that could happen. But it would do us well, though, to recognize the reality that Jesus was endeavoring to impress on his disciples, and I think on our lives as well. I think it could be possible for us to misunderstand, because it would be easy for us to mix up both the nature of a symbol and what reality really is. See, in our world today and for many centuries, and we know this, we have become so used to reasoning things with our minds. And uh, so that at times we end up defining reality in our lives by, by what we can sense with our senses. In other words, if we can't see, hear, taste, smell, t- or touch something, it isn't real. And then there's the other side of the argument that says if we can experience something, then it must be reality. I'm not convinced that either side, either of those extremes, really gives us the whole picture. Now, we know that as Jesus was talking with his disciples, they understood, certainly understood, the reality of sacrifice in their day. After all, they saw animals being slaughtered every day. Uh, in the temple on a a regular basis. They heard the squeal of animals and they smelled the odor of the blood and sacrifice was real for them. But Jesus, as he so often did, really turned their reality around as he was speaking with them. What Jesus was telling his disciples, and I think what he would have us believe and understand, is that all of those sacrifices that came before, though they were important in that Old Testament time, were really symbols. 
In the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, we're reminded that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And then over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we read these words. It was not with the perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So Jesus' dying on the cross vividly displays for us the reality of all of those sacrifices and what they symbolized. I hope that we can better understand that this morning and the implications of this because Jesus' death on the cross was the one sacrifice which all of the earlier sacrifices pointed to. We cannot see death and burial and the resurrection of our Savior just as a mere symbol. And the reality is, is that if, we can, uh, if we're not careful, we can end up walking away this morning with that kind of mindset, making this just another communion service. Can't be that way. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul reminds us in uh, chapters 6 through 8 of some of the very precious promises that come as a result of the sacrifice of our Savior, we're crucified with Christ. <laughs> in the process, the old man is taken away, it dies in us, and the new man is raised to new life. And we're empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit uh, who lives in us. So the question is, this morning as we come before these elements in this time together, do we believe this or is this just another symbol that we give intellectual assent to? I think it may come down to this. If all of this is just a symbol, then we're really totally hopeless because nothing has really changed. You see, the power of the gospel message is the assurance that even though the Lord's Supper uses symbols, it actually represents a reality that must change the way we live every single day of our lives. So I don't want us to be confused this morning as we partake together. Make no mistake, what we celebrate here this morning is a reality, not just a symbol. The cup and the juice in it, representative of the blood of Christ given for the remission of our sins. What can take away my sin? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's remember that as we drink together. Right. Lord God, we are so grateful for the sacrifice of your Son. Thank you for your word that tells us the reality of his coming, the reality of his life and death and burial and resurrection, making our salvation complete. Thank you that he intercedes for us right now at your right hand. And God, I pray this morning that we will go away from this place 
gripped with what has taken place in our lives and eager, ready, willing to share that with others around us that don't know you. May this communion service allow that to take place in our lives this week and uh, compel us to do that. So Lord, we're grateful not only for our salvation, but we're also grateful that you hold us, that your salvation is eternal and that you keep us and we're secure. And as we sing about that right now, God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.